you with the upper hand in your fantasy football leagues? Then you've come to the right place. To the right place. You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. We're live. We are live. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. This is Faraz Sadiqi. Zach Rizzuto is here. It's Waiver Wire Monday. Well, you guys are listening. You guys are listening to it on Tuesday, but Tuesday, we're here. You know what this means, right? It's week one, Zach. It's week one, baby. We're back. We got a game on Thursday, a real game on Thursday. Chiefs Lions, dude. That's a really good opener. A really good opener. Uh, What I'm looking, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to most. Got to be Jameer Gibbs because we get to see him immediately off the bat. You know, there's been so much hype. Matchup. There's been so much hype. Like. If he doesn't put up a huge game, not even a huge game, if he doesn't put up just a solid game, 15 points or more, like I think the fantasy world might be on fire, especially if David Montgomery gets like vulture, starts vulturing touchdowns out of nowhere. There's just so many different ways it could go. I'm just dying to see it happen because I have a solid amount of shares in Jameer Gibbs, and I think you do too, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do. And, you know, I, honestly, man, in a full PPR, I don't know how he finishes under 15 fantasy points. I, I think, you know, if he has like a 13-point fantasy game, PPR fantasy points, I think I'm going to be happy. I'm, I'm like, all right, cool. This is fine. You Just know, maybe he didn't get as many touches as you wanted, but he still got you 13 p- fantasy points, PPR fantasy points. I'll be like, all right, I'm cool with this. Week one, let's keep, let's keep it moving. Hopefully the rest of my veterans on the fantasy team can take care of business. You know what I'm saying? Right. I'll yeah. be happy. I'll be happy. Worst case. All right, guys. Yeah, he ends up being DeAndre Swift, and we don't want that. <laughs> yeah, we don't want. Th- I mean, listen, if he is DeAndre Swift, but just without the injuries, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll okay. take it all day That's long. I mean, listen, DeAndre Swift <laughs> is pretty damn good, very efficient. Yeah, very, true. very uh, per uh, on a per touch basis, fantasy points, legit. But uh, he just couldn't stay on the field, and then they couldn't trust right. him. So, not great, not great, guys. We have a waiver wire show. Games didn't even start yet, and we have a waiver wire show. Okay. We're excited to be back. Just to break down the schedule real quick before we get into the waiver wire. Uh, if you're on YouTube, you can already see the waiver wire. But uh, if you're listening, you can't. So we're creating some suspense here. Okay. I uh, just want to let you guys know what's going to go down for this season. Okay. The schedule. This is what we're doing. This week, only two shows. Okay. We're doing a waiver wire show, this one. And then we're going to do a matchup show that's going to be out Thursday morning, bright and early. Okay. Next, and then obviously on Saturday, uh, I might have a little bit of an update podcast that I'll be putting out episode. I'll be putting that update Saturday episode out every single Saturday morning. Okay, it'll be just me, but basically, you know, there's so many injuries, like that injury news that comes out Thursday, and then updates on Friday, sometimes late Friday. Like we get those Seahawks injury updates, the practice reports at like 8 p.m. So I, we got to update those. So on Saturday morning, You'll hear that. You'll kind of get an idea of you know who I'm staying away from because of an injury, who I'm starting because of an injury, all that all that sort of stuff. You'll get on Saturdays, okay? Sundays, starting this Sunday, I'll be going live, okay, uh, with our Patreon members uh, and our and our, all of our members. If you're in the in the uh, homies tier or up, we're going to be doing a uh, a 10:30 Zoom call, start sit consultation, followed by uh, a live on Instagram at 11. Another live show at 11.30 and another live show at noon. So I'll be live for an hour and a half on Instagram from 11 a.m. Eastern time until 12.30. All right. And then the podcast, we're going to keep going with the podcast as well. Six days a week. Okay. 
every single morning, early morning, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then that podcast I talked about on Saturday. Okay, so we're with you all season long. All right, we're excited to be back. Let's get it popping, Zach. Let's, Let's get it popping. Were you surprised that I had Marvin Mims as my number one waiver wire pickup for this week? No. I mean, we've been talking about Marvin Mims. I know you were you weren't like huge on Marvin Mims this offseason, but you talked about, you know, I know you Jerry Judy had the injury and Tim Patrick went down. First it was Tim Patrick went down, and you were like, Oh, Marvin Mims, you know, he could have some opportunity here. You know, now he's a wide receiver three, and then Jerry Judy goes down. Now he could be wide receiver two. I'm feeling it. And I, I think yeah. it makes sense to have him here. I'm surprised that he's even on waivers given, you know, Jerry Judy's status. I don't think this is like a one week thing for Judy, but that's just me. I'm not a doctor. It doesn't seem like it. And I'll tell you why it wasn't super high on Marvin Mims. The analytics, if you watched, if you look, if you if you read the rookie draft kit, he had high points everywhere, right? Like he was like very highly graded. He was highly, he was like as highly graded as Zay Flowers, Jordan Addison, those guys. Why wasn't yeah. he why was his overall grade low? Because this draft kit came out before the NFL draft, and I was not expecting round two draft capital, right? Right. This was somebody who was expected to go round three or later, potentially day three. But all the models were showing that like this this is not what should happen here. He ends up getting taken in round two by Sean Payton, trades up to get him. Okay, so if Marvin Mims is available on your wire, like I'm doing what I can to put him on my roster. Jerry Judy, like you like you like you alluded to, like he might be out for a couple of weeks, right? He could be back by week three, week four. And when there's opportunity for a young wire receiver that we already like, the analytics loves him. He was one of my favorite prospects in this class who I didn't expect to see round two draft capital again, right? Uh, if, you, if you look at Fantasy Life's wide receiver rookie supermodel, uh, it also has him pretty high. And I don't want that wide receiver on the waiver wire. Uh, he needs to be on my roster. So you might be asking why I'd want him, you know, if Judy's going to eventually come back, right? Well, what if Mims turns out to be good, right? Like, this is just the right process, in my opinion, to have this guy on your roster in this type of situation. So Judy, he can still come back, right? And all of a sudden, it's Judy and Mims as the fantasy-relevant wide receivers on this team, potentially, right? Or not, and it's still Judy and Sutton, potentially, or Mims is the best wide receiver on this roster at some point because of injury or not, right? Now, that might be a small chance, right? But we play towards that high-end range of outcomes when the price is this low. Right. So there's some upside here. I don't want to miss out on, uh, especially because he's going to be on the field a lot, regardless, given the Tim Patrick injury. Right. Even if Judy comes back 11 personnel, Judy will likely be in the slot, uh, but he can see a little bit of slot action. He, he's probably going to be a flanker with Sutton as a primary X. So I, I, I'm liking Mims, man. If he's available, he's hard to pass up on right now. Right. There's all different ways they can use him, but I agree with your approach to the waivers 100%. You just can't just leave a guy that's going to potentially be a wide receiver too on a probably good offense. You know, obviously they look pretty bad last season, but I think Sean Payton can fix it. You can't leave that on the waiver wire to be scooped up by someone else after he has his big game. You know, part of the waivers is getting the players before their value spikes and then everybody wants them. You know, if you leave him there and he has a big game, you're gonna be, you might be able to land him off the waivers, but even if you do, you're probably gonna be blowing a bunch of your fab to get him right off the bat. You know, you're losing all this fab at the beginning of the season when you could have had him right now. If you wait a week, he has that big game. You're just gonna be losing fab, and you might be strapped later on. 
when there's an even more valuable player sitting on the on the waiver wire. You know, we saw that with Kenneth Walker last year. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing happens all the time. So you don't want to, you know, cut yourself off and pigeonhole yourself into not getting guys down the line. When you have a guy like this sitting on the waiver wire, you definitely want to take a shot on him. But in Marvin Mims' case, you can't deny the volume that he's going to be stepping into. He looked good in the preseason action he got. And now he's a chance to establish a role for himself in the Broncos passing game. You know, even once Judy comes back. Remember, guys, like Corlin Sutton, he might be a sleeper this year. You know, there have been positive reports out of camp, but he didn't look irreplaceable last year either. So he's a guy, Marvin Mims, that you can grab right now before he appreciates, like I just said. And we could be talking season-long value if the cards fall the right way. I mean, that's the type of upside you chase on waivers. 100%, man. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of times if you hit early, those are the best waiver wire pickups because, oh, yeah. you know, those are the guys that can help you every single week potentially, right? Um, now, Jalen Warren is next up here. He needs to be rostered. Okay, number one, because he's a league-winning every down ha handcuff if Najee Harris were to get hurt, right? That's obvious. Number two, we've already seen his opportunity increase in situations this preseason with Najee and the first team that he wasn't too involved in last year, right? Not just the passing downs. It looks like he's going to get some early down work too. Uh, and I don't want to say that this is turning into a Zeke Pollard situation just yet because Najee, you know, he isn't washed like Zeke was, but this has some sort of semblance to that, right? Like especially early on in early in Pollard's career, like from a couple of years ago, right? He, So, you know, Warren is just somebody that I want to pick up if he's available. And if I drafted him, I'm holding him on my bench pretty much all season long if I can, right? And if someone drops him, I'm going to be pretty interested as well to pick him up and just hold him on my bench. Obviously, you know, you can't always hold your handcuffs. It, you know, if he doesn't end up having standalone value, I get it. You know, you sometimes you got to drop him because you got to pick up somebody during bye weeks. I get it. But that's a tough drop for me, and I wouldn't be too happy about it if I had to drop someone like that. Yeah, I wouldn't be either. I mean, you know, we've been hyping up Jalen Warren a lot on this podcast, and there were there were reports coming out, and there have been people disputing the reports. They've been like, well, Jalen Warren, he could be the lead back come season's end. Apparently, that was like ESPN sources that said something like that. But then people were coming out and be like, oh, no, that's not necessarily true. And it's like there's a lot of intrigue with Jalen Warren now, not just because of what we've seen on the field, but also just what we're hearing in general. And it's tough to navigate that sometimes. But I think it might be a stretch to compare this to the Zeke and Pollard split last year. The Steelers coaching staff does love him, though, and I do think that they wouldn't hesitate to turn the keys over to Jalen Warren if Najee would go down. Like, the entire Pittsburgh offense this preseason, you know, Warren was fantastic in the action that he saw. He has a second gear that Najee Harris just doesn't have. And now that I'm talking about it, it does kind of sound like the Cowboys backfield situation last year. Because <laughs> what were we saying about Tony Pollard? He has that second gear. Zeke just doesn't have it anymore. I do trust Najee, though, to hold on to the early down role pretty comfortably yeah. this year. I don't think he's going to give that up. But as we know, receptions, targets are worth much more than attempts in the ground game, just rushing attempts. Warren's definitely a player that shouldn't be sitting around on waivers because of his ability in the receiving game and like I keep going back to, I keep saying, like, appreciable assets, that's what you want to target on the waiver wire. Jalen Warren might be the handcuff to have this year, outside of maybe a guy like Tyler Algier. I don't know. I'd rather have Jalen Warren. And, and the reason for that is that Algier hasn't, Algier hasn't shown that, you know, he would demand targets or he would be targeted in the past game. The reason why we know Bijan is going to be that dude because he's just that talented in the receiving game. I just don't know Algier will be that guy. I think he would be an early down handcuff, right? On a good offense potentially behind a great offensive line in, in Atlanta. But Warren, 
He'll be on the field on in two minute drills. He'll be on the field in pa- on passing downs. He'll be running a lot of routes. Uh, so I'll be I would be pretty excited for that. Um, yeah. Now, Devon A Chain, man, he's practicing as of Monday. He's number three in our list here. That's great news for someone who can take advantage of this Jeff Wilson injury, right? Raheem Mostert and A Chain can be the one-two punch in this offense, and A-Chain will have a chance to gain more control of this backfield. Now, here's the thing with A-Chain, right? If he's eventually good to go, you have Wilson on IR. You have Mostert, who hasn't been able to stay healthy. This can turn into a Devon A-Chain backfield pretty easily, right? Like, how many times have you started Raheem Mostert for fantasy, like, and he's gotten hurt? And then you were surprised, right? Like, but that doesn't happen often, right? Like, you kind of like have an idea. You, if he got hurt, if Mostert got hurt, what would you say? Oh, here we go again, right? Right. Uh, so, A chain should be rostered, especially given the fact that he's back in practice. Yeah, I, I think that's one hundred percent the move right here, especially with Jeff Wilson going on IR. You know, if that wasn't the case, this is a completely different scenario. It'd be like, okay, well, he's back at practice. Devon A chain is, but is he going to have the touches? Not sure. I wrote about it actually for the newsletter today, how this is perfect timing for Devon Achain. I mean, the backfield has been wide open going all the way back to last year. And if Kareem Hunt, who supposedly has all these deals on the table, you know, you're hearing about that. If Kareem Hunt signed there tomorrow, he'd immediately be the one beat of Jeff Wilson if he were healthy. You know, it's not, it's not like there's is a crowded, established backfield. There's plenty of moving parts. That's at the very least. So that tells you all you need to know about the potential upward mobility in Miami's backfield. We've seen players that are clearly more talented than the guys ahead of them waste away down the depth chart plenty of times. But with Wilson IR, the Dolphins, they're just forced to involve A-Chain right now. He's coming back. They drafted him. He's super talented. He can take advantage of it. And you're absolutely right about a potential takeover in the backfield. Mostert and Wilson, to my point before, they aren't guys you're holding young talent off the field for. A-Chain owns, he, he owns the ninth highest PFF receiving grade among all running backs this preseason. Which isn't nothing. You know, that you can look at PFF receiving grades and say, oh, well, it's PFF. You know, they grade differently than, you know, fantasy. It's, there's all different things that go into it. But it's not nothing, you know. It's important to note that he is a talented receiving back. And that's a role that he could have full control over just a few weeks into the season if he can establish himself in the backfield. Yeah, man. And, and I agree. I think PFF ratings actually matter. If right. you don't watch every snap and you don't grade every snap, I ain't trusting you. You know what exactly. I'm saying? That's for sure. Okay. <laughs> we might now, we might watch our favorite teams, you know, but that's about it. So if there's somebody out there that's watching every snap and every player, you know, I'm going to pay a little attention to it at least. Of course. If you had to pick one guy out of the guys we mentioned right now, do you have this in the same order? Or is there one guy that's standing out to you that maybe that we haven't talked about yet that you would take number one if you had to pick? If I had to pick, I think it, it has to be Marvin Mims. That's the way I look at it. I mean, Marvin Mims, he has the clearest path to opportunity and the talent that matches to actually be excited about making a waiver wire pickup, putting a claim in for Marvin Mims. I wouldn't say I'm rushing to the podium. Not, not, not that you rush to a podium to make a waiver claim, but I'm not saying I'm rushing there, but at the same time, it's like you can be excited about Marvin Mims. I'm not going to be excited about adding a guy like, I don't know, Evan Hull, Zach Moss, yeah. something like that. And we'll get right. to them in a minute. But Marvin Mims, like this is a guy that has the potential to not only start this week, but also be somebody you could lean on down the stretch. Like when I'm looking at waiver wire pickups, like if you want to look at long term, who can I lean on later in the season when injuries inevitably happen? That kind of thing. When players that I expected to be contributors down the stretch aren't, you know, people that you can lean on and just be like, all right, 
if I have to put them in my lineup, is it going to be a lost week? It's not going to be. I think Marvin Mims has that type of capability. I love it. I love it. All right, we got Tank Bigsby at number four, Jaguars running back. So he crept into Travis Etienne's workload pretty easily. It happened quickly, right? He's taken some of the short yardage reps away with the first team in the preseason. He's shown that he's pretty good, you know, with the reps that he did get. Like, I mean, Tank looked pretty good this preseason, right? Like, you know, he did fumble at the goal line. That wasn't great. It was a goal line carry. Okay, so that matters, right? Uh, and ETN, you know, he was one of the worst at the running back position with fumbles last year, right? He lost like five. I think he, I think he lost three of them, had five fumbles, something like that. Um, yeah. But it wasn't good. Okay, so like, you know, this isn't a clear knock on Bigsby in this backfield at this point. Um, but this is a committee with ETN clearly at the helm. Okay, no doubt about that. Like, I don't see this situation be like tank and take tank is taken over or anything like that. Um, you know, and ETN's going to be good this year. Okay, the offense is improving. I just didn't love the price, right, based on the opportunity I think he's going to get. But this is also a good offense, and if Bigsby is going to get opportunity, I think he should be rostered, right, so that we can see how these roles develop, right? Because he got a lot of work early on in the preseason, right? And then Doug Peterson, if you remember, after I think the second or third preseason game, he said that his role is going to increase as the season moves along. That's what he said. So... I want to see what that turns into. <laughs> yeah. Is it going to turn into a 50-50 split? Is he going to get goal line carries on a good offense? What does that turn into? They've been right. talking about his hands. Like, is he going to be a better receiver? I'm I'm curious, right? So I think he, I want him on my roster maybe for the first couple of weeks just to see if anything changes. Um, and I think Bigsby can be droppable at some point. But understand this. If ETN were to go down with an injury, <laughs> you're probably spending all your fab on Tank Bigsby. Yeah, 100%. That's what it would be. And this situation, like it kind of reminds me of like, the inverse of Pittsburgh's backfield because here it's the presumed early down back that could give the every down back fits. It's the other way around. In Pittsburgh, Jalen Warren's like the guy with the every down skill set, Najee Harris, early down, that kind of thing. If you listen to this podcast, though, you know I'm pretty much all the way out on Travis Etienne this season. I'm not a fan. The price was way too high. I want no part of him because the offense is going to lean even heavier into the passing game with Calvin Ridley. And Etienne, he just couldn't even get it done with significant volume last year. So it's like, why would I go in on him with potentially less volume this year? The coaches, like you said, Dougie P, he's talking up Tank Bigsby. I'm not sure that Travis Etienne is just going to be the guy at the top. I think he's going to have the majority of the touches, yes. But I wouldn't just go ahead and assume that this is going to be like a career year for Travis Etienne if Tank Bigsby is going to be semi-involved. And like I said, it's going to be pass first. Uh, there are definitely going to be instances this season, though, where ETN managers are going to get excited. They're going to be like, Jaguars ran in for a touchdown. Who was it? And it's Bigsby. It's not ETN. So I can see that happening. That being said, Bigsby isn't necessarily a priority addition for me because I do think the Jags will force feed ETN the ball. But I think Bigsby will be more of a thorn in the side of ETN than he will be his own standalone player, if that makes sense. So like, thank Bigsby. The volume can be there depending on his role. I don't think it's going to be like an Ezekiel Elliott, put him at the goal line every time and he just gets free touchdown situation. He'll have a couple. But like I said, that's not going to be enough to make him relevant. It's going to be enough to be a big a big enough pain in the ass to Travis Etienne's fantasy managers where it's just like, okay, what what are we doing here? You know, And that's been my gripe with Travis Etienne the whole season, the whole offseason since they added Tank Bigsby. So I think he's not a priority for me, not necessarily, maybe not this high on the list, but I do see that he has the potential to appreciate 100% if anything would happen. And like you said, if that role does increase over time, 
I, I could it be receiving reps? They were complimenting his hands. They were saying that he can work in the passing game. That wasn't something I was expecting to hear, but if they're seeing it, you know, I'm going to go off of what they're saying because I'm not at camp. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you might prefer Deion Jackson, who's here at number five, who you know was probably a better start in week one than Tank Bigsby, right? And so let me address the Colts running back situation real quick. If you need a starter for week one, for whatever reason, you should have your starters for week one. But, you know, let's say you lost Cup or you lost Judy and you need a flex. You know, I'm going to pick up Deion Jackson. I'll start him as a flex option because I do think it'll end up being a committee between, you know, him and Evan, Evan Hall in week one. Shane Steichen already said that it's going to be a committee uh, without JT. Regardless, okay, Zach Moss probably won't be suiting up in week one, but you know, he's someone on my radar as well, especially if neither Jackson or Hull show out in week one with the opportunity that they get, right? Because at that point, you know, Moss will likely likely be at least in play to compete, right? And even start in week two. You never know, yeah. especially if these guys shit the bed, right? So if you didn't end up with Jackson or Hull on your team, like, and by the way, I do like Hull. Like, he was one of the best pass-catching running backs in this incoming draft class. But I'm not sure that's what the Colts want right now, right? Like, if you didn't end up with those guys and you're in a deep, deep league and you want a running back stash, I think Moss is a solid stash. Um, and, you know, what will probably happen is that you stash Moss for a week or two and then the Colts, like, end up signing Kareem Hunt uh, once they realize <laughs> that none of these guys can, 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 can do their thing. Right. right. And, and by the way, like I do have my rankings up on patreon.com slash upper hand fantasy every single week. They will be up there uh, as well as waiver wire rankings with fab guidance. OK, that's starting next week. Um, and there's no one there's no one to be spending that much fab on this week. OK, like, you know, maybe I'll spend a couple bucks on like Marvin Mims, Jalen Warren, Devon A. Chan, but that's really about it. I'm not really spending any money anywhere else. Um, right. Any thought? Any other thoughts on this Colts running back situation? Are you just staying away? Uh, you know, is this intriguing to you at all? Just, just curious. Just curious what your thoughts are. It's intriguing, but I think it's like bait. You know, this whole backfield. It's like they're trying to get you to buy into it. And I'm, I say they. I'll, I'll just say that they are the fantasy gods because it's like Jonathan Taylor's out, and there's a huge role missing, and now somebody has to fill it. And they're doing it with a committee in Indianapolis. I don't think that's going to be worth it. It's bait. Even though it seems like Deion Jackson, Deion Jackson will be a fine pickup this week. I'm not expecting the world out of him. It's not going to be one of these situations where Deion Jackson comes in and suddenly, oh, he's putting up 18, 20 points a game and he's going to separate himself from the rest of the backfield. That's not the case. You know, I saw a report that said James Robinson was working out for the Colts today. That tells you what they think about the backfield right now. There's, they're not going to lean on any one guy in this backfield. There's value to be had, but it's spread too far out among the running backs for anyone to really cash in on it. I don't think they're going to lean on Evan Hull because he's a rookie. Deion Jackson is the most familiar with the system. You know, He filled in serviceably for them in the past. But if I'm going to add anybody, I think it might be Zach Moss for the long-term value that he presents. Deion Jackson can be added this week for flex, but Hopefully, you're not in a situation where you need to replace a running back already, unless you had Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> the right. Colts running backs, they're really just last resort ads, in my opinion, because I look at their matchup in week one. There's a chance that this offense just craters. And I don't want to bet on that because I, I like Anthony Richardson as much as the next guy. But they're going to play against the Jaguars, who are loaded on offense. And if they can't keep up offensively, I mean, it's going to be throwing the ball. Throw the ball, throw the ball. I don't care how much... You can rely on Anthony Richardson's legs. It's not going to translate to rushing attempts for running backs. If they're throwing it a lot, these running backs, there's not going to be much to them. 
especially if they're rotating in and out. So I'm looking at the matchup here. Deion Jackson, he seems like, oh, this would be like a slam dunk waiver ad. And he'll be fine. But I would temper expectations largely because I don't see them really winning this game. You know, and I don't think it's going to be very close either. I have Kendrick Miller here at six. Uh, I, I really want more information on that hamstring injury, right? There was no word on whether it would affect his week one status. Uh, I would imagine that it does. It seems like it's going to be the Jamal Williams show in week one right now, if I had to guess today, Monday night. But if the hamstring injury isn't that serious and he could be back for week two, I think it's worth prioritizing him and just keep him on your bench for now, right? And you can throw him in your IR spot if he is out in week one, right? So if he's out, you throw him in IR, you pick up somebody else. Uh, again, I do think he's a better talent than Jamal. Uh, you probably have heard this, heard that on this show before. Uh, but these injuries aren't helping him at all, right? Like it seems like he's being rushed back from injuries at this point, right? Like he had like the, the knee sprain, and then like he played like a couple days later. That was kind of weird. Now he has a hamstring injury, and what if they rush him back from that also because they're desperate because Alvin Kamara's not there, and this is this this is their day two pick. You know what I'm saying? So, but yeah. I'll say this: like if Kendrick can be back by week two or week three. You know, I think if he has like two good games, he has a chance to solidify himself as a compliment to Alvin Kamara over Jamal Williams. It is possible. The beat reporters think so as well. Um, all that remains to be seen, though, you know, given the time that he has missed. Right. So right. he's intriguing at the same time, though. The injuries make it a little lackluster at the same time, though. Like, it's it's hard for me to just leave him on the waiver wire um you know if he's one of the best options out there and you could you you have a bench spot that that you can burn in terms of a guy at the end of your bench who doesn't offer too much upside for you right that doesn't sound rosy but you have to understand the way the value can change you know what i mean <laughs> we yeah. wouldn't be talking about kendra right now on the waiver wire episode if it weren't for the injury bug they picked up i'd argue we'd be talking about him on the rankings episode a couple days so later, true you know so true i think that's what we would be doing and 100 if you watch the show like we cover i think it's the top 20 running backs so like that gives you an idea of how we would be talking about him i think i think i might 100%. put him in there so 100 even if miller were to suit up for week one i doubt it I doubt he's going to be playing at 100% if he does suit up. I mean, the Saints, they also have a quarterback in Derek Carr who, even though he looked good in the preseason, you know, they need to help him get comfortable in the first regular season action with the team. That's going to be done most likely with Jamal Williams at this point. I don't think they want to have Kendra Miller running into a pile at the goal line fresh off an injury. You know, I, I bet that he misses week one. And if that's the case, then I would absolutely advocate for stashing him on IR. But I think that we also have to be prepared for him to not get up to speed and establish in the Saints offense before Kamara comes back. You know, I, there's obviously a chance that he does and he has a role for himself and he compliments Alvin Kamara like we want him to. But if Alvin Kamara comes back from suspension, he doesn't have his feet underneath him. You know, that wouldn't be good news for a season long prospects because at that point, Kamara is going to be able to do probably everything that Kendra Miller does just a, a level higher. You know, I'm not Kamara is far from watch. He's very talented and, Kendrick Miller is also very talented, but I think they're kind of comparable in what they do. Jamal Williams wouldn't be taking the receiving work. It would be Kendra Miller. But if you have Alvin Kamara to do that, why would you take him off the field? So that's my concern here. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I think Alvin Kamara can use a compliment on early downs because it's been two straight years now where he's been pretty inefficient on the ground. And, and, and that's where I think Kendra Miller has a little bit of an opportunity. And that's why I'm excited for him. Now, if Kamara right. was Kamara that we knew from a couple of years ago, I would not be excited about Kendra Miller at all because I think that 
Kamara would have to be out of the way for him to have any value. Um, I don't think Kedja Mill can reach his ceiling while Kamara is healthy. I think it could no. be a one-two type of punch. That you know, the type of punt, one-two punch that we've seen in a Sean Payton type of system before. And and that's yeah. what I'm kind of excited about. And remember, this is a Sean Payton system, even though he's not in New Orleans anymore. This used to be this is Dennis Allen, you know, worked under Sean Payton for a while. So a little excited there. The so still there. For sure, for sure. And another Saint, right? And if you need a tight end, Juwan Johnson, Luke Musgrave. Those are the two tight ends that seem to be available on a lot of waiver wires. I'd rather have these guys than a few of the other tight ends who are more widely rostered, okay? i rather have these two over Cole Komet. I'd rather have them over Dalton Schultz, Gerald Everett. I, I see people still drafting Greg Dulcich, Derek Carr. Okay, Derek Carr's not a tight end, right? He's not a tight end. Mm-hmm. Why did I have Derek Carr in my notes, Zach? Because you, he's throwing you a Juwan. Yeah. Because he's throwing a Juwan. <laughs> Derek Carr. <laughs> I'd, rather, I'd rather start Juwan Johnson and Luke Musgrave over Derek Carr in my tight end spot. All right. Um, but are there any of those any of those tight ends that I mentioned, like outside of Derek Carr? Like, would you rather have them over these two guys that I just mentioned? I think if you asked me two weeks ago, I might have said Dalton Schultz, but we know that he's kind of trending down for some reason. I think Whatever I reason. think Schultz is is the closest for sure. Yeah. That's I what think I he's think. like kind of maybe in that tier, but I just think the other two have more upside. Yeah, one hundred percent. He's the closest right? in terms of will he be able to earn a full you know, route participation, target share, solid target share. I mean, Cole Komet's there too, but Justin Fields threw the ball just over 20 times a game last year. And I don't want to rely on that when they added, um, yeah, DJ Moore. And, then, and they still have. That's my, that's my concern. They still yeah. have Darnold Mooney. That would be the Chase Claypool's yeah. going to get some targets. Like, how much do we have to rely on? Like, that target distribution might be thin after, after DJ Moore. DJ Moore might get like a 30% target share this year. And then, you know, and then like still only end up with like 110 targets for the year. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's the possible. beauty of it. In Chicago, 30% target share in Chicago is much different than 30% target share in L.A. We're going to talk about the Chargers or another high volume offense like Minnesota. You know, and we've heard this like there's been a little bit of a rapport between Jawan and Derek Carr. Right. So like, you know, we saw glimpses from Jawan last year. Right, like if you guys were streaming tight ends, like Juwan Johnson was one of those guys that you know you wanted. Right, he was a former wide receiver. He got a quarterback upgrade. They have a rapport now, and I should I think he should be rostered. Like and Luke Musgrave, we talked about it a few times. Like he's a rookie, so I'd rather have Juwan. But this dude is running a route on at least eighty percent of dropbacks. Okay, and they're trusting their rookies this year. We have Jaden right. Reed on, on this list as well. A little bit later. We'll talk about him in a sec, but uh, you know, Jawan Johnson at seven, Luke Musgrave at eight. You yeah, know, these two tight ends are, are are guys that I would want to pick up if I have a, a risky tight end. Like even if I have a Chig, Okonkwo, right? Like I like Chig. I'd rather have him than both of these guys on my roster. However, if I have Chig, I kind of want one of these guys also, just in case Chig doesn't work out, because yeah. that's possible. It's possible that you see Hopkins and um, and what's his name Burks. getting the targets. And Traylon Burke's getting all the targets, right? It's very possible. Yeah. So you kind of want to, you know, just head, make a little bit of a hedge. If you drafted a, a good tight end already, I don't think there's much reason to, to roster either of these guys. If you, right. you know, and when I mean good, I mean like an established fantasy tight end. 
Yeah, that would be like a top six, maybe seven, if you want to call it yeah. Ingram established, that kind of thing. But, yeah, um, I think I think Pat Frymuth, if I drafted him, like I feel like I would be solid. Like I, I don't I yeah. wouldn't need to grab that second tight end. You know? That's fine. Yep. Juwan now he can yeah, go ahead. be the tight end that lives off touchdowns and he finishes inside the top ten by the end of the year. So if he's on your waiver, just go pick him up. If you need the tight end, like we just said, if the connection with Carr carries over into the regular season, we could see him outscore most of the starters in your league, you know, on a consistent basis. Like I just, like you just mentioned, Pat Frymuth kind of being that line where you where you draw the line in terms of those types of players. But you mentioned Komet, Everett, like I said, David Njoku. Like I could see him outscoring those guys on a weekly basis, you know, more often than not. But I think there's more intrigue with Luke Musgrave because there's really only one established weapon in Green Bay. That's Christian Watson. And we could see Musgrave become a favorite target of Loves by the middle of the season. Truth is, nobody's going to go wrong starting either of these guys because they both fall into that tight end crapshoot range, you know. But they're worth picking up if you're thin at tight end. They could establish themselves as weekly low tight end ones, but you could say that for about 15 different guys, I think, right now. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Exactly. Now... At number nine, I have DJ Shark. Assuming Adam Thielen is already rostered in your leagues, like I've seen Adam Thielen, like you know, on the waivers in some ten-team leagues, I'd rather pick Thielen up right now at this point. Um, you know, Zach from three months ago is like, I told you, I told you for <laughs> us, I totally come around on Thielen after seeing what you know his connection with Bryce Young in the last preseason game was good to see. Uh, Shark was a little bit banged up, but still good to see it. Um, I think DJ Shark will be next up, you know, potentially, right? And he's back at practice as of Monday with today. Um, he himself is optimistic he'll be good to go for week one. Who knows? But since he was someone that who was gelling with Bryce Young and supposedly his go-to before he got banged up, I think he's worth a pickup, even if you're not playing him this week. You know, preferably I wouldn't want to want him to play this week because you want to see you don't want to see him play and then re-aggravate his injury, right? And it was a soft tissue injury, so you want to make right. sure that he, he he's all right. Now let me ask you a question: Would you rather pick up DJ Shark or the rookie? Jonathan Who would you rather Mingo? Pick oh yeah. boy, I think I'm picking up DJ Shark. I yeah. I like Jonathan Mingo too, but I've been the big Adam Thielen guy here. You know, I've been this you whole offseason. There's room enough in the Panthers' passing attack to have two starting caliber wide receivers. I do expect Adam Thielen to have the stronger starts of the season between him and uh, DJ Chark, even if he comes back sooner rather than later. But I have a feeling that Thielen can be that stepping stone for Bryce Young. And this is kind of what I laid out earlier in the offseason. He's a veteran. You know, the young quarterbacks tend to like those quarterback-friendly receivers. Adam Thielen is one of those guys. Thielen can be the stepping stone Bryce Young uses to acclimate to the NFL. And then DJ Chark can be the next stone in the order to help Young push the ball downfield and become a playmaking quarterback, you know, that kind of thing. I have a feeling Bryce Young is going to take it easy to start. Chark has the higher upside for this season than Thielen. Thielen's going to have a safer floor. Um, so you're targeting Thielen for the floor, not the upside. But Chark is worth a pickup right now, considering that he can be the wide receiver one on the offense by midseason. And to go back to like what you said about Jonathan Mingo, I don't know if I want to pick him up just yet there's a chance he's going to stick around on the waivers for a week or two yet i don't think there's going to be a whole lot of noise out of him especially in the early going you could probably hold off on getting him but there's definitely there's a world where he comes out and he could be the wide receiver two on the offense i think as long as adam thielen is healthy though he's going to kind of clog up one of those two spots the starting roles and that's going to leave chark or mingo as the odd man out right now my money is on chark and Thielen being those guys for the majority of the season. I agree with you. 
And at number 10 here, we have Roshan Johnson. Depending on how you want to play this, he might be a little higher of a priority for you if you're willing to be a little patient, right? Yeah. Should Roshan Johnson be a little higher in this list, Zach? Um, I like Roshan Johnson, but just I don't see him overtaking Khalil Herbert in a way that's going to make him fantasy relevant just yet. Even getting to that 1B spot, I don't necessarily know if I see that happening right now. So I think this is appropriate. I don't think this is too high or too low. He's worth throwing a couple fab dollars at, but don't don't break the bank on him right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear that. And uh, honestly, like, you know, this is a three-way timeshare right now in Chicago, right? So the chances yeah. that, you know, someone other than Khalil Herbert has a fantasy impact right away is relatively low, right? And you might have to wait several weeks before there's a clear 1A, 1B situation, right? Like, I do think he has the chance of emerging in this backfield, Roshan, okay? And I've said it before, you know, I don't think he completely takes over because Herbert is that good, right? He can be fantasy relevant, though, right? And if Herbert gets hurt, I think we can see a potential takeover at that point. And someone who has RB1 upside off of talent and skill set alone, I think Roshan is that guy. Okay, so he has the ability. He just needs the opportunity. I just don't think he's going to get the opportunity without an injury, okay? I do have Deontay Foreman at number 13 on this list a little bit later on. Why? Because just because I believe in a player doesn't mean that I can't see all the potential possibilities and the full range of outcomes for a particular situation, right? In this situation, can Foreman carve out a role ahead of Roshan? Yes, like he was already doing in the preseason, right? And he was solid last year, and, you know, maybe they want a veteran. So maybe Roshan gets hurt. You know, this is still a competition to me. And if Roshan hasn't won it full, you know, all if he hasn't beat out Foreman just yet in the preseason, then, you know, maybe it's still a competition, right? So until then, we still have to pay attention to Foreman uh, despite how much I like Roshan. But, you know, if you have an empty bench spot, I think Roshan is a, a decent way to, to to stash somebody. I think I think if you're going to stash somebody, I think Roshan is a solid stash, I would say. Yeah, I think it's a solid stash too. I would say the case for Johnson is a 1B or RB2 to Herbert. You know, I think that's much more feasible mm -hmm. than the Deontay Foreman agenda. Just because Foreman, you know, he signed with the Bears for pretty much pennies and yeah. they drafted Johnson pretty high. You know, if Johnson were to play well, I find it hard to think that the Bears would want to take him off the field for a journeyman running back like Foreman. You know, who, he was solid last year. He isn't going to put distance between himself and Johnson, though, in that RB2 or 1B position. You know, they're going to be pretty much, you know, I think at the worst case for Johnson, the same running back. I think Johnson is way more talented. He's going to, you know, kind of distance himself from Deontay Foreman in this backfield. Um, I get it. You're right that there's a reality where Foreman outplays Johnson and, you know, he's on the field over him the majority of the time. But that's like one reality in hundreds of realities. You know what I mean? So like that path, <laughs> I just don't see it happening. I think there's much more. There's a higher possibility that Johnson is the guy behind Khalil Herbert over Foreman. Um, I think that I, I think it's a I think it's a much higher possibility. I agree much higher. You. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I'm personally. I'm going to just go ahead and say it now. Like I'm dismissing Foreman as a potential fantasy asset at this point, just given the talent ahead of him, which is Johnson and Khalil Herbert, and then also the Justin Fields that the Bears have at quarterback, who is also going to be running the ball a lot. So are there going to be enough carries for you know him to kind of carve out a role? They drafted Johnson high. They like Khalil Herbert. I'm just going to go ahead and say that Foreman's probably depth at this point. So I'm not worried about him sneaking up on Johnson at this point. So I think that's also I, a good well, 
the, the, the yeah, I, I hear you, man. I mean, the thing is, like, he was still playing over him in preseason, right? And yeah. I, but I do think that it's going to take a couple weeks, but I think Roshan will end up winning that RB two job at the very least. So I do, right. I do, I do agree. I'm with betting you. on the talent. Yep. Yeah. Um. Now, before we go to a no, number eleven, it's week one, and that means underdog fantasy pickums. Okay. If you know fantasy, you'll have a great time choosing higher or, or lowers. Uh, on a ton of players this Thursday night, so many to choose from, right? Chiefs lines. Okay. That, that's going to be a good game and a lot oh, of yeah. players that you can choose from. And the best part is one of those picks are free. Okay. Choose the higher on Patrick Mahomes 0.5 total yards. Okay. All he needs is one yard, any way possible, rushing, passing, it doesn't matter. You have your free square on your way to 20x your entry. So you, you choose a few, few player stat lines to go higher or lower on. You put them together on one entry, and you root for those players as you're watching. Okay, you root for them to fail, and you root for them to succeed. However, you ended up, you know, putting your entry in. So you can download Underdog Fantasy today. If you do sign up, you use code Upper Hand to get your or over here Upper Hand Pod, please, so we know where you came from. Use the code Upper Hand pod to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Again, use code upper hand pod or upper hand. I really don't care to get your, it doesn't matter. Same thing to get your first deposit doubled up to $100 and make sure to take advantage of this special week one Patrick Mahomes promo. Okay. Uh, the links will be in the description of this episode if you need it. Okay. All right. Moving back to the waiver wire at number 11. I have Romeo Dubs. Now, keep in mind, he currently has a hamstring injury. Okay, his head coach said that he was held out of the last game because of it, and it was mostly precautionary. No word on whether he'll be suiting up for week one or not just yet. We'll get a practice report on Wednesday. Uh, I'm not a big Dubs guy. Okay, uh, I am a big, I am a Jaden Reed guy. I'm a Christian Watson guy. And I do have Reed on this list a little bit later at number 16. So you might be wondering why I have dubs before Reed. Uh, so if I had to bet on who is going to have a better career, I would bet on Reed. But I'm not going to ignore all the talk about the rapport between dubs and Jordan Love this offseason in training camp. Okay, and to be honest, you saw the rapport in preseason too. Okay, um, I still think Watson is the one, but it's possible that dubs legitimately worked on his game and came back a better player this year. I just didn't think he was that good last year. He was okay with some opportunity early on in the year with Rodgers, but it seems like there is a rapport there. So he gets the edge for me above the rookie Jaden Reed right now. Also, you know, Reed is only playing in 11 personnel. You know, when there's a slot wide receiver on the field, he's only playing slot right now. He's not playing uh, any of the positions. He's off the field in 12 personnel. Um, so, you know, while Dubs is healthy, I think Dubs will be up there with Watson in routes run. So he gets the edge for me. Right. So this kind of surprised me, but then we actually put it into context. You know, I know you're Jaden Reed guy over Romeo Dobbs. Um, I think Dobbs value is going to come from what you just outlined. That's route participation being on the field. You know, Jordan Love really does have a connection with him. He'll be fantasy relevant, mainly in PPR formats, and he'll have a floor worth targeting. I'm about as bullish on Dobbs as I am Adam Thielen. That is, I'm not wowed by the upside, but I'm not, I am interested simply because he could be a strong flex any week I need one. And, you know, there's a chance he's a 70-catch guy this year. So I do think he's worth targeting waivers right now. 
before he has a bigger game and suddenly he's pumped up to a toss-in value for trade purposes. He could have flex value, that kind of thing. But the trick here is to not expect the world from him. His talent doesn't blow me away. I know it doesn't blow you away either. Um, I think any production this season is going to come from his situation more than his talent. By the end of the day, especially in redraft, it comes down to that number in the game log every week. So he can be fantasy relevant. Dobbs can, you know, this season. I, I'm not counting on him. I think Christian Watson's a guy you want to target for upside. I think if you're going season long upside, you want to go for Jaden Reed too. But Romeo Dobbs, he's going to be able to start for you. I'd say for the first half of the season, probably, assuming, you know, it doesn't just fall off the edge of the world and look terrible. But he hasn't this preseason. I'm not expecting that to happen. I like his floor. That's all that's yeah. all I'm talking And you know, he he has looked good this preseason. You know, he's looked, you know, he's had the contested catches. And it seems like they do have a little bit of a connection. Okay. So I, I don't want to deny that. And and I right. do want I like if I really wanted to run with my own narrative. <laughs> that Romeo Dub sucks. <laughs> I, I I would okay, but I'm trying to not do that right now, and, and right. I think Benefit you know I'm doubt. trying to be the uh, my objective self here, and uh, you know I I saw what I saw, you know. So uh, I do like Jaden Reed though. I think if I had to bet on it long term, who has the better second half of the year, I would probably bet Jaden Reed. You know, but you know rookie wide receivers, you know, they might take a little bit a little bit of time. You know, so right. we'll see how it goes. I mean, they do have a lot of mounts to feed here. If all these guys are going to be, we talked about Luke Musgrave, obviously Christian Watson, Dubs, like Jaden Reed, like, hey, hey, let, let's 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 uh, like who's quarterback here again? Jordan Love. <laughs> let, let, let's right. let's first see what's going on here, right? Um, before we uh, and you know they got Aaron Jones, they got AJ Dillon, they might run the ball a lot. So let's just let's keep this all in perspective here, right? So right. we'll see we'll see what that peck in order uh, ends up being. Um. At number 12 here, I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He's still involved, guys. He's not going anywhere for now. And he still has a chance of playing ahead of Isaiah Pacheco, or at least fully in the rotation. It's possible the Chiefs were just letting him, letting Pacheco start slow. But Pacheco was on the field after CEH. Okay, And if you're going to play Pacheco, and he's the one, why not just play him before CEH and just take him off the field? You know, So that, that didn't happen. And if Pacheco was the clear starter, that would have happened. So I, I think CH should be rostered in most like 12 team or higher leagues. Um, it's pot because just the simple fact that he's on the Chiefs, number one. Number two, they're playing on Thursday night. Okay. So you could in a lot of leagues, depending on where you play, sleeper, Yahoo, you could drop CEH after Thursday night with him on your bench, right? And then you could pick up somebody else, right? So just to kind of see what that role looks like, right? because uh, if it's good. Then you know people are going to be trying to pick him up off of waivers. Uh, if it sucks, then you know, and Pacheco's the one, one A here. Then you you probably want to drop Ch to pick up somebody else with more upside because McKinnon's still going to be involved as well. So I'm hoping that this isn't a three man backfield. But from what I saw in the preseason, you know, it's not like Pacheco gets hit less if he comes in after Ch, right? Like he gets hit right. the same amount. Or maybe harder because the guys later on want to hit you harder and make a name for themselves. This is true. That's fair. And I have a rebuttal here, but I do want to say that it does make sense. You know, if you pick him up for Thursday and he doesn't show out, he doesn't show up and he ends up being nothing. It makes sense to just take him just in case he does do something. So I didn't consider that when I looked at this, when I wrote up this rebuttal, but yeah, that's, that's if, fair. If, it's a fair if he point. Wasn't, if he wasn't playing on Thursday night, would I have been as inclined to roster him? Probably not. So I, I, right. I agree would that he, that's 
probably one of the main points there. It's yeah, that's one of the main things for me looking at it. Now it makes sense because I was trying to put it together when I was going through the notes for the episode, and I was like, no way, Faraz is falling for the CH thing again. No, no, no. I mean, if I was falling for it, if I was falling for it, he would have been way higher, you know. But this is more for like a depth depth running back option who plays on a great offense and yeah. could get goal line carries. That's, right. that's 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 pretty much what I look at. And just like how he did last year where, you know, he was like getting goal line carries and touchdowns at an unsustainable rate early on. But like if you started him, you were probably winning your matchups <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, no, right? it was all backwards and upside down. It made no sense. I just personally, I find it hard to believe that, you know, with all the history CH and the Chiefs have together and the way Pacheco was playing down the stretch, they trusted Pacheco in playoffs. You know, he was the running back that they used. Granted, it was an early down roll. He didn't have much in the receiving game. I just think it's hard to say that they're going to turn back to CEH suddenly. I think they were just slow rolling him back, Pacheco, to make sure that nothing happens to him. It was weird usage, but how many times do we see weird usage in preseason? All the time. That's speculation on my point, on my end at this point. But I don't think that there's more speculation going into me saying that Pacheco is going to be the guy then there is CEH coming back from the history that he has with the Chiefs and suddenly being like this super involved guy that's going to be fantasy relevant. I, I just don't see that. I'm yeah. hoping that's the case. I want it to kind of like – I want the Chiefs backfield to just stratify and I want Pacheco to be the guy. If he's going to be the guy, make him the guy. If it's going to be CEH, just make him the guy. That's what we want to see, but that hasn't that's been the case this entire time. So we can't even – I can't even expect that at this point. At, at this yeah. point, I should just say pick up Clyde edwards Teller because that's just how it's going to work. <laughs> and also it's like you know we also want to kind of keep in mind of Clyde his issues last year you know he had I forgot what it was it was like kidney surgery or something like I forgot exactly what organ it was something it, he lost like 20-30 pounds like before the season which is a huge amount so he just was never really himself to start the year so something worth noting um, and I, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember if if that was the year before or not, if I'm just making excuses for him, I can't really remember if the I, I, like it's all a blur at this point. So I don't even know what I'm talking about at this point. But there was some point he lost a ton of weight. I think it might have been, might have been the year before. Who knows? Who knows? We're gonna no, go never with mind. That. I don't know why. I'm I'm becoming a Clyde Edwards Hilaire apologist. Yes. Now. Well, why? that's because he's on the why? graphic. He's on the graphic. He's number twelve so we have on my waiver wire rankings. Being on the graphic, yeah. Jesus, we have All to right. justify it somehow. Anyway, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> All right. So at thirteen and fourteen, I had Deontay Foreman and Evan Hull. We talked about both of them already. At fifteen, we have Van Jefferson. Uh, solid pickup if you need a wire. If you need some wide receiver help, if you if you're not starting Cooper Cup this week because of the injury, you know I don't think he's like a real target earner or anything. He never he's never been one, so I don't think he benefits too much from Cooper Cup being out. But he will benefit somewhat. You know, he'll be startable. I think he'll probably be in that wide receiver three range, you know, if that. Uh, but he is somebody that you can pick up in a deeper league, 12 team or higher with Cooper Cup out. I think he's startable. Yeah. I think the biggest takeaway here is that Tyler Higby's early season target share is about to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's my takeaway. I mean, I would out... 26% for sure. Yeah. Easily. I wouldn't rule out Puka Nakua either as a potential yeah. spot contributor. I, I know you liked him coming out, but who knows? Old man Love Stafford it. said it himself that he's having trouble building a connection with the youngins. So Jefferson's not a total stranger to solid flex production. He had a couple productive weeks over the past two years. You know, he's had a very limited role in the Rams offense. I'm not going to just write him off 
But I like him to help fantasy teams in flex spots, and that's about it. I'm not going to be throwing him in as a wide receiver two or anything. I will say, I do think Jefferson is going to be a higher scoring, more productive pickup on the waiver wire than any Colts running back in week one. So I might move Van Jefferson up a little bit. I might put him over Evan Hall. I might even put him, I don't want to put him over Deion Jackson. I would put him over Evan Hall at this point because I just think that he has a clearer path to more quality work than a guy like Evan Hall at this point. If you're talking about adding a guy to put in your flex, I'm, I'm taking the receiver every time. Yep. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. We should probably move Van Jefferson up here. So Van Jefferson's at 15. Let's maybe move him up to... Should we move him after Roshan, I would say? Maybe before Romeo Dubs? Should we put him at 11 or 12? I think Actually, let's put him at 12. Does that make sense? After Romeo Dubs, or would you take him before Romeo Dubs? Um, I, I think Romeo Dubs should stay over Van Jefferson. Because Van Jefferson, he's like... I know we have that little short-term blip next to him. That's like a two or three week thing, assuming Cooper Cup comes back. If if it comes out and Cooper Cooper Cup is like, oh well, he's gonna miss six five six weeks, Keenan Allen esque, then maybe we talk about Van Jefferson moving up over Romeo Dubs because Romeo Dubs is gonna be contributing, I think, throughout the whole season, even right. if it's just like at a wide receiver three level. But Van Jefferson, I would put him over those running backs ahead of him, I think, because yeah, he has more production potential than those guys right now. Let's move Ro- Van Jefferson up to. 12. Let's do that. I think that's the right. move. So Romeo Dubs, Jefferson, CEH, Deontay Foreman, Evan Hull. I have Jaden Reed at 16 here. We talked about him a little bit. Very, very talented route runner. You know, I think him, him the fact that he's able to start out of the slot is great. He's he's not somebody that is limited to the slot. Like, he could play the X if he wanted to. He can separate man coverage. He's good against zone too. So, like, I think he can prosper uh, in the slot. I like him a lot. Yeah. Um, as a prospect, I like him a lot more than Romeo Dubs. Um, both these guys were at the senior bowl. I saw both of them myself, night and day type of players. However, I have to understand that it is possible that Romeo Dubs got better as a pro. Yeah. Possible. <laughs> we'll see. Now, did he get better? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Um, spoke about Zach Moss already, had him at 17 here. And, and you mentioned that, you know, he's probably the, the, the ad because probably the most long term upside if JT were to be out. Correct. Right. Yep. Okay. And then at 18 and 19, we have Brock Purdy and Sam Howell in that order. Why do I have Purdy ahead of Howell? Purdy averaged 18.1 fantasy points in his six starts at the end of last year. He had a three-touchdown game to start the playoffs. He can continue to be a good fantasy quarterback under Kyle Shanahan. He's healthy now. They traded away Trey Lance you know, before seeing it again on the field this year from, from Purdy, which is absolutely bonkers to me. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, by the way, Zach, like, we never talked about it, dude. Like, how do you feel about that trade to your Cowboys? We never that, addressed it on the pod. No, we didn't. And that was just kind of something that flew under the radar. I'm a big fan of the trade, but for purposes outside fantasy football, so I'm just going to keep this abridged. Dak is going to have a huge cap hit, cap hit next year in the range of $60 million, which is just ridiculous. So if he stinks it up this year, Dallas wants to get out. That's not going to happen. Lance is at the very least an intriguing option with the ups with upside and a good Cowboys offense gives Dallas some leverage. I have no problem with that whatsoever. He only has four starts in his career. So I don't know how you could go wrong betting on talent there at the price of just a fourth round pick. Like you said, you were surprised. I was surprised too. I'm surprised that they even traded him. You know, like first of all, that's what, that's that what I'm surprised Dallas. about. Yeah. yeah. First they traded him Dallas, but then it's like, this is a guy that has four starts, not anywhere close to a full season starting we we don't know what trey lance is and can be they had he had no shot um but yeah 
like you said about Purdy, I'd expect more of the same production that we saw from last year in 2023 because every quarterback not named Trey Lance seems to succeed in San Francisco, including Sam Darnold. So <laughs> that's an how interesting storyline. How can you give up that much for a quarterback in the draft, give up that many assets, not give him a chance, and then trade him away for a fourth-round pick without giving him a chance? On top right. of that, you don't want to see if Brock Purdy was a flash in the pan. Like, you don't think that's a possibility? I'm not saying he is. And I'm hoping he doesn't because I want to see this offense thrive because they have such good players. Yeah. But, like, dude, like, Sam Darnold is your saving grace if Brock Purdy gets hurt. Like, he's going to be fine. I think Darnold's going to be fine in this, in this system. But, yep. damn. Like, are you? Re- is that the route that you guys are going? Like, Was it hurting your roster? Was it? capping it that much with your roster management to have Trey Lance on the roster, right? like on the 53? Was it that big of a deal <laughs> that it's you had crazy, to move man. him out? I'm fine with it because I'm fine with it. And then you, know, you consider I'm... the fact that do you remember the 49ers quarterback troubles in the playoffs? Oh, yeah. Like, they had to go, they literally created a new rule in the NFL this year for the emergency quarterback because of them. Yeah. And then Did they you... ship off their third quarterback. <laughs> Yeah, so, their emergency quarterback. What are they doing? Did you try reading that they they posted all over Twitter? Did you try reading all yeah. the FAQs that they had? Like, not even worth. Yes. Them. Like, it's I, I think so I got confusing. It, I think it, I got it. Yeah, but I'm not going to explain it here. But I think I got it. It's no, we're not, basically that's not what this about podcast this? is for. Fifty three man <laughs> roster. Okay, I'll just I'll just do it real quick because you brought it up. Fifty three man roster. They have to be on the fifty three, but they don't have to be part of the forty six or forty seven that are active on game day. That's all. That's all it is. So they can have a third quarterback who's not an active, officially an active player. And that, that's right. the only role they can play. That's all. That's it. It's that simple. Now, if you listen to the show, you know how much I like Sam Howell, his weapons, his OC, his situation. And he gets to do it against the Cardinals in week one. Okay. And it doesn't get better than that. Howell is unproven. So take everything with a grain of salt. But I think he could do some things in his first start. This year, which actually ended up being his second start of his career. Now, so if I'm looking at, so if you go to fantasylife.com, they have something called the Game Hub, okay, where they have a whole dashboard of every single game. It's pretty awesome. You guys should go check it out. But Washington is favored by seven points in this game. So the feeling is that Howell shouldn't have much of an issue in this one, right? The running backs should be able to close it out, but Howell should be able to give you, you know, two tutties this week pretty easily, I would say. Yeah. If Howell can't get it done, two tutties. If Howell can't get it done this week against the Cardinals, then we might have to just delete all the episodes we have talking about <laughs> Sam Howell as a potential break, potential breaker of fantasy football. Like I, I, I have an out for him though. I have an out. No Terry McLaurin potentially. I have an out. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. All right, maybe not, but that would be a lot of episodes going out of the timeline. <laughs> for sure. All the talking we've done about Sam Howell. The reality is though, the Commanders they're going to win this game against the Cardinals. You know that's just how it's going to go. There may be one step up from the preseason squ- squads that Howell faced these past few weeks. Like, what's the gap really between preseason Ravens and the Cardinals? Right. <laughs> you know? exactly. I don't think there's that much of a gap at this point. Maybe I'm writing off the Cardinals, but I think it's pretty safe to say that Howell should be fine. If Howell doesn't put up two touchdowns with ease, we're going to be questioning a lot come Monday. <laughs> you know, like, there's going to be a lot of questions about what happened. Like, I think Terry McLaurin being out, if he is, would answer some of them, but there would be more than just that, you know, because he scored two touchdowns against Dallas in week 18 last year, and Dallas was a much better team than the Cardinals 
I mean, granted, it wasn't a good showing by them. But there's more talent on that Cowboys defense than the entire Cardinals team right now. So <laughs> if he doesn't, I, 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 I don't know how I, I don't know how Zach got to the Cowboys just now. Like like where like 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 you just wanted to bring up your team. No, That's this is this is how we got there. Sam Howell's lone game, the small sample size we got with him, came against my Cowboys. So we're always going back to that game until he plays more. Now, obviously, we True. have a preseason, but like I said, he's this preseason. He's playing basically a fourth preseason game in week one against the Cardinals. So pretty much. Now, the last guy we have on this list at 20 is Zay Jones. You know, one notable change this year is that Christian Kirk isn't running in anything but 11 personnel this year, okay? In the preseason, he's been off off the field in 12 personnel with Zay Jones and Calvin really on the field. So this means that Jones will likely run more routes than Kirk this year if both stay healthy, okay? So I'm not saying he's going to demand targets at a higher rate than Kirk, but it is worth noting that their targets were strikingly similar last year, okay? Kirk is the better player. Yes, he is. But Jones is, is going to have his games too, right? Given the offense, we'll take a step forward. He had his games last year on an inferior offense when this this team tar- this offense started to get it together a little bit last year. Zay Jones had his games. Now, obviously, Calvin really is going to assume a ton of targets here, but I think Zay Jones is still going to have his games here and there. Not an every week starter or anything like that, but somebody who could you know offer a little bit of a uh, you know a little bit of a spot start for you if you need it at wide receiver. Oh yeah, we spent the entire season last year with the threat of potential Zay Jones games hanging over us. Like, you know what I'm talking about with the Zay Jones games, which is like, suddenly he's the receiver. And he did that like three times last year. Yeah. You know, just when we thought we were out, they pull us right back in. That's the case, (laughs) it seems like, once again, and in the Jaguars offense, it's loaded with quality pass catchers. I mean, any of these guys could reasonably finish as a top guy in the box score any given week. So Zay Jones is one of those guys. Calvin Ridley... He's clear, I think, of the next guys, if you want to call him that. That would be Christian Kirk. That would be Zay Jones, you know, those guys. But he's going to produce independent of what the rest of the offense does. But I do think that Kirk and Jones are going to be the ones trading blows this season for targets. You know, I think Evan Ingram gets thrown into that bucket as well. Um, Jones could be worth a start and a flex in a pinch and in a good matchup. You know, if you get Zay Jones in a good matchup and, you know, you don't really have anybody else to start, that's when I'd be like, okay, it's Zay Jones right. time. And you just bet on him having that game that yeah. he has three of every year. <laughs> exactly. And yeah, yeah, pretty much. Pretty, pretty much. Um, now, we would normally have streamers for you guys as well, but this is week one. You have your guys. You have your streamers already. We gave you a list of players you can use to improve your roster ahead of week one. So we'll get to real weekly streamers next week. Okay. So also, if you're in a league that can drop players midweek, as you mentioned earlier, after they play, uh, you might want to add a couple of Kansas City players who are on the waiver wire. Richie James, Rashi Rice, Justin Ross, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. You know, just in case they have a bigger role than you think. If not, you just drop them on Friday. And then you pick up another upside handcuff for Sunday. And then maybe drop them on Sunday night. Do the same thing on Monday night, basically. And then just pick up your waiver wires the following week. All right. So that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Uh, by the way, let me just remind you to make sure to take advantage of the Patrick Mahomes promo on Underdog. Use code UPPERHAND to double your first deposit up to $100. You'll have a chance to 20 extra entry for some pickums. Uh, also, if you want to buy full week one rankings uh, and the rankings every week, they will be available on patreon.com slash Fantasy, and you'll even have more stuff, not just rankings, a bunch of stuff, okay, uh, to help you win your fantasy league. If you guys can subscribe to the podcast, that would mean the world to us. Just hit add or follow or subscribe wherever you listen. We greatly appreciate that, and 
We'll be back on Thursday this week. We'll be talking matchups. Football's back, baby. Talk to you guys oh, on yeah. Thursday. And by the way, remember, I started next week, six days a week. That's what we're doing this podcast, all right? We're crazy. See you guys then. Take it easy. Bye-bye.